Well, folks, welcome to one more edition of Politics and Radamic. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being a part of the show. We are going to have a great show for you today. You know, as I wear one of the shirts that I wore in uh, Chicago, I noticed that when we washed the shirt, we didn't take the pin off. And you know what the pin says? Hug. What does it say? Uh, hug. Hug. Okay. Hug. Okay. We had, we've been going to Netroots over the internet for several, uh, I think it's two or three years that we didn't do it in a row. And the idea here was to say, guess what? We're okay with hugging. The first year that we met after the pandemic, you know, everybody was hesitant. So we created these, these t tags. You can either hug or not hug or whatever. Teresa Vol says, love your shows. Thank you so kindly, Teresa. Thank you so kindly, and we love you. Welcome to the PDR Posse. Welcome to the Politics and Right Posse. Love to have you here, Teresa. Robert Davenport is in the house. Robert, yes, we are on the watch. We are on watch for number four. Welcome aboard, Eric Hayes. Welcome aboard, Bruce Pollard. Bruce says, if everyone gave $1 to Maui relief, that would only cover one-tenth of the cost. Right now, I think they're saying over $6 billion in damage. When I look at the landscape, it looks like a lot more than $6 billion to me. But what the hell do I know? Michael Rudnin is in the house. Welcome, my brother, Michael Rudnin. Uh, who else is in the house? Let's see. Paul Fleming Sr. I think the second time I'm seeing you for today, Paul. Great seeing you, my brother. Uh, Michael couldn't see it. Well, he got it fixed. And, of course, the one and only Melanie Keelan from Barcelona, Spain. You give me a smile, Melanie. You know, the idea that our signals are all over and you prove it. Thank you, my beautiful Melanie Keelan. Love to have you here. Okay, Michael says, Egberto, I missed one from last week. The Hill. Amazon deforestation drops a six-year low. Amazon deforestation in Brazil fell two-thirds between July 2022 and July 2023, hitting the lowest level since 2017, according to the data from Brazilian government, the data appears to show a significant shift after Brazil hard right former President Jair Bolsonaro lost re-election to Luiz Inácio Lula da Silva in October 2022. Caring for the environment is a clear example for anyone looking for the difference between left and right. And what we're seeing here, the devastation of uh, Lenona uh, in Maui, can't remember how to, how to pronounce this town. Uh, the fires that are going on in Canada, the fires throughout the country that no longer makes the news because, well, it's just one of those things. Man, the, the climate here, I am working right now with one of my air conditioning units out. Hopefully, they'll be able to come and fix it tomorrow. So, we uh, look, it, it, it's, it's real, and it's not like it occurred immediately. It's been a slow grind, a slow grind over and over again. And we've been preaching this and the deniers on anti-science people have held us back. We need to hold them accountable. And I'm not talking about the rank and file people. They didn't get unintelligent because of themselves. They got unintelligent because they, for the people they trust, they allowed themselves to be used by those who had ulterior motives. But we forgive you. But please join the, join the bandwagon now. Eric Hayes says, mob of criminals stole up to 100,000K worth of merchandise in L.A. I saw that. It's a mess. It's terrible. They went into a, 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 a store and just looted. That was terrible. I don't know why 
that makes it onto this program, uh, Eric Hayes. I don't know why the same zeal that you have for those low lives who went into, I think it was not Marshall's, who went into uh, one of those high-end stores to rob. I wish you would have the same zeal for the corporate executives that through false inflation have stolen from the vast majority of American citizens. You see, we have learned how to look at petty crimes, $100,000 in in, uh, whatever that store was. And we look at it at those criminals, those thugs. Look at what they did in that store. And it's true. They're thugs. And they stole something that wasn't theirs. It's true. But it is also true that we have legalized thuggery. And that is what happens when a corporation, for just because they can, just because the capitalist structure says, whatever the market will bear, which means if you need gasoline to go to work, I have the right to charge you whatever you are able to pay for that gasoline. And that is honest. It's still picking your pocket more so than what happened at Nordstrom. I think it was Nordstrom. Again. When they pick your pocket, when the corporations pick your pocket, they take a lot more than what was taken from Nordstrom. They take a lot more than what every petty thief has been taking and stealing around this country. If you add up all the thievery that has occurred from the petty thieves in America over a year, I will guarantee you, I've never done the math, but but it's not hard to figure the math. I guarantee you that corporations have pilfered you, robbed from you, stolen from you, much more so with the shenanigans that they play than any petty thief. But because of the way it is, because we don't know that, because we don't understand the economic system, we just take it and we look at those guys who break those glasses as thugs. But the guys who use their invisible hands to pick your pocket, we look at them as executives warranting respect. I hope with politics done right, I hope with this program, and I I say this from the depths of my heart, I hope with this program and others like this, and maybe others that will be started from this, that it gives us a different perspective. Thank you very much, Robert Davenport. It gives us a different perspective in thinking about thievery, in thinking about stealing, in thinking about all these issues. I hope that we start reframing narratives in such a manner that we don't allow the petty thieves, but we also go after the legal thieves, if you will. Because otherwise, nothing changes. Okay, we got Michael Rudnan saying, New York Times, if wildfires in Maui, now the deadliest in the United States in more than a century, have left many questions about how so many lives were lost and why government aid has still not reached many survivors. The death toll rose to 93 on Saturday night and was expected to climb even further. I mean, I, 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 not to defend the government, but I tell you one interesting thing, right? Think about this. Uh, we have an empire all over the world. And we, I don't think we ever planned for a fire 
in a Maui like this. I mean, I, I, I am, I'm trying to think. I live in a, I am from a tropical country, right? And I've wondered if I had ever seen a tropical country where there's burning. Uh, and, and to put it bluntly, yeah, there's, we have dry seasons and wet season in the tropics. Between the Tropic of Cancer and the Cap- Tropic of Capricorn, I think, is those two regions, right? And there's a dry season and a wet season, meaning a season where you get a lot of rain, a season where it's very dry. I can't think of the most dried up season that we've ever had. That some kind of a fire that came in, like the one that affected uh, that affected Maui, La, La Haina. I just don't see it happening with the number of, even with the drought, the amount of greenery you have, it's just... This one just blows, I think, everybody's mind, you know. Carl Cox says, uh, Carl Cox is here. We'll miss two of the three programs a week. College classes start this week. I'm so glad you went back to school, Carl. Go knock it out, brother. We'll graduate in December if all goes well. Three classes and you will do it. You will do it. Eric says, it was electrical fire and not sirens. Why not? I have no idea, Eric. I don't think it's time for us to really completely assign blame yet. We will when time is due. Uh, let's see. You need to bash it and not same as defunding police. Uh, you keep uh, dreaming on with those stories, Eric. You can you can only tell you the truth and you can decide to accept it or not. Robert Davenport says, what about the six cops who tortured two African-American men and recently pled guilty? Any concern about that crime? It's amazing, right? Guys like Eric, who I would normally respect i am surprised that he wouldn't bring up a story like that and you know what upset me the most about that story uh davenport uh let me see if i can pull up the tweet that i that i did because i saw the story i saw the story on msnbc right and as i'm watching the story there was something peculiar about that story there was something peculiar about that story and i'm going to I'm looking it up right now to see if I can show you what I'm talking about because I really want folks to see what I'm talking about here because it I found it a bit upsetting. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to go over and see if I can get to my tweet because I want to read it correctly because this was a heinous crime with these six police officers torturing this person with sex toys with uh shooting them in the mouth uh i I just i i just couldn't believe it here's a tweet let me go ahead and pull it up for all to see i'm gonna let me put it on the screen because it it really concerned me the way even my my the station i like msnbc covered it and here is a tweet that i wrote i think i have it on the screen right now and i'm going to read it for you it says the following come on egberto when bipocs bodies perpetrate crimes, their faces are plastered in the media. Six white police officers were convicted of torturing two black men in KKK style. Why did MSNBC not show their faces in the segment I just watched on Chris Jansen reports? I I mean, I was flabbergasted. Why is it that these six officers Their face should be all over. Everybody should be seeing what these two animals look like. We should all be seeing 
what these six animals look like. But did we get it? No. They showed the two black guys who these guys attacked with, you know, with faces, etc. But they never did. They never did show the officers as I saw it on MSNBC. Okay, uh, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Eric Hayes says, I see electric policy picking my pockets now 700 a month. Yeah, but that is your fault. Eric Hayes, that is your fault for supporting a government that allowed that to happen. Okay, let's make it. Texas has the highest electric bills in the country, one of the highest in the country. And the reason why is you, Mr. Eric Hayes, continue to elect Republicans who prevent us from being on a national grid, who prevent our uh, uh, different types of energies to come in here, who are making it harder for renewals to get onto the grid if they don't invest X amount of dollars. They make that electricity very expensive for you. And when they cause the freeze, instead of making the corporations pay that bill, guess where they pass that bill, Eric Hayes? Your government, your Republican government here in Texas, they passed it right back to you. So if you want to see why you are paying $700 a month, if you want to know why this month I'm going to pay $750 to $800 a month in electricity, look in the mirror. Everyone who voted for these Republicans in the, in, in the Texas Senate and the Texas House, research it. Don't listen to me. Research how their policies ensure that Texans have some of the highest electrical bills in the country. You can't blame liberals. We don't control the state. We don't make policies. Look in the mirror. You elected people who ensured that is the electric bill that you're going to have. It, you know what? Elections have consequences, Eric Hayes. Elections have consequences. Michael Rodney says, if you compare all petty crimes versus just the money corporations have taken from minimum wage violations, you'll see that a focus on petty theft is a distraction from who really is robbing you. Egberto, one of the screens. I, I, I'm glad that um, you went ahead and did some research for me. That, that is so important because, again, while we won't ever convince somebody like Eric Hayes who has no problems, and again, he's a friend, but he has no problems keeping his head in the sand. It is important for us to give for the people who are willing to listen, for the people who are willing to learn. It's good to give them information. So here we go with that great piece of information uh, that, that uh, we just got from uh, Brother Rudnan. And it says the following for those that are listening on podcast. Wage theft, minimum wage violation, $23.20 billion. Overtime violation, $8.8 billion. Rest break violations, $4 billion. Off the clock violations. $3.2 billion. Now let's look at the other kinds of theft now. Larceny, $5.3 billion. Burglary, $4.1 billion. Auto theft, $3.8 billion. What does this tell you? The biggest part of theft in this country is being conducted by executives, corporations. They are stealing from you more so than any petty thief out there. But we concentrate on crime, 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 in the grocery store and all these other places, while these other people are robbing America blind. That total that, that Rudnan just put out there was over $35 billion. Think about it. Think about it. Thank you for that, Brother Rudnan. Very important information. All right, let's see. Uh, welcome aboard E2247, who says, Mitakuye Oasi Atape. All my relatives, good day. Today's visit will be the greatest ever, says 
E2247. Uh, let's see. Michael says Restream may be a bit flaky today. Lee Grant says, so it's okay to steal from retail store. I guess that some people just talk, uh, taking back what they think was stolen from them by large corporations. That's Lee Grant, you know better than that. I never said that. What I said was that, that is, those thugs are terrible. But let's put it into perspective with what corporates, corporations are doing to the masses right this minute. Michael Rodney says, Honolulu uh, Star Observer, fuel for fires. The invasive grasses usually grown in savannas where native grassers keep them down. But in Hawaii, they have quickly taken over. Clay Torridge, an ecosystem fire specialist at UH Manoa, has for years warned of the growing acreage of invasive fire-prone grasses and brush that provide fuel for wildfires. Dagno said, we are off the charts when we talk about the quantity, especially guinea grass which is one of the prime suspects around Lahaina. Thank you for that. E2247 says, only in authoritarian regimes have I seen someone targeted for harm by a head of state to be afraid to publicly tell truly what happened instead of number 45. And again, I like I've been mentioning to many people, we are scared of 45 coming back. We no longer need to be just scared of 45 coming back. Anybody coming back will look just like 45. Just more intelligent and just doing the same thing that 45 wants to do with a little bit more class because 45 has laid down the gauntlet of authoritarianism and that's what the republican party now represents paul fleming says the fire was traveling a mile a minute i don't know if people understand what a mile a minute is a mile a minute means a fire was moving at 60 miles per hour Think about a fire moving at 60 miles per hour. That is fast. That is faster than driving from the front of Kingwood uh, to the from the back of Kingwood to the front of Kingwood, which you can only drive at the maximum speed 45 miles an hour, but mostly 35 miles or so. Eric Hay says, never heard of Davenport, so your point is taken and equally as bad justice should be served. Don't know what you're saying. Uh, uh, Robert Davenport says, I found out about the story on the DOJ website a few days ago. The DOJ is prosecuting them. Yeah, but it's a shame because this is a, the crime in the deep south. What, what, where was it? Mississippi? What, what was the state? In Mississippi, Alabama, one of the one or the two. But yeah, it was very criminal, right? Eric A. Segberto, nope, it's due to energy policy in Washington. You keep believing, you keep lying to yourself. It's energy policy in Washington, but somehow Texas has the highest electric prices and all the blue states have lower electrical prices. Oh, but it's a policy in Washington. Do you, do you understand how silly that makes you look, my brother? Do you understand what it does to your credibility? It's national policy is what you're saying, yet the national policy leads that Texas, who has a, a huge amount of natural gas, a huge amount of all this stuff, and their energy costs more than New York, costs more than California, costs more than all these other places. Come on, man, grow up. All right, Michael Rodney says, Egberto, you're correct that I can't find the six mugshots for the six dirty cops. The independent UK, six former Mississippi police officers pled guilty to state charges for torturing the two black men. The guilty pleas to uh, state came after six months, and you still can't find the, that picture, right? I looked for it. I, I didn't do a deep look, but you know, you can see that you can see the black guys that they tortured, but you can't see the six 
evil officers who who perpetrated the crime. You know, where are the pictures? They they love to show pictures on TV when murder looks like BIPOCs. But where are these six officers who tortured in KKK style these two defendants? Or rather, these two innocent uh, guys. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Eric Rudnan says, Eric A says, Rudnan thugs are thugs and should be prosecuted. Again, where are the pictures? Paul Fleming says, we are always the villain that they must show the world. He who has the gold makes the rules. Exactly. Hey, Zegberta policy is stealing via government waste. No, no. Again, uh, again, Eric, grow up. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to answer you your silly questions anymore. I'm going to just tell you to grow up. Paul Fleming, Eric is an example of distraction genius in place. It's not even distraction genius because there's nothing genius about what my brother Eric is saying. It just makes him look silly. I mean, and I'm not talking silly to progressives. I'm talking outright silly because it shows a lack of thinking, right? Come on, Eric. I love you, but come on, man. Grow up. All right, let's see what else we got here. Uh, Paul Fleming says a judge... Uh, a judge ruled in Alabama that they must redraw the black area into due districts so that they can represent uh, the Republican-run government is now trying to send it back. Yeah, it, it's amazing that they don't follow that, right? It, it is simply, simply amazing. But I tell you what, brother, we'll keep on going. But here we go. Uh, we have the first story of the day. It has to do with should there be a Democratic primary. This is a dangerous subject. But I think it's a subject that we should put our heads in the sand. I want you to listen to my commentary, and I want you to listen to uh, to his name is Philip uh, uh, Dean Phillips. Again, I am I'm agnostic to this stuff. All right, I just want to ensure that we don't get a Republican government because that would be uh, the entry to fascism. So check this out, and then we'll take it on the other side. Congressman Dean Phillips of Minnesota, he has an inconvenient message. He has a message that the Democratic establishment does not want to hear. He has a message that most Democrats are concerned about, but he also has a message that every single Democrat is thinking about. And you know what? While everybody is concerned about President Biden's age, it's not about President Biden's age at all. It's about the perception that the body politic has with regards to whether they want to elect this person again. And you can wish something onto anybody. You can make it seem as if it's the only option. But if ultimately the majority doesn't want you, and when I say the majority in America, it doesn't mean a popular majority. It means the majority in the appropriate states that give you an electoral college win. If that isn't there, then you can't win. And this is, in fact, the time that Democrats need to be honestly discussing this issue, not with attacks, not with retributions or anything like that, but with eyes wide open. It pains me to even bring this subject up because, again, we have a President Biden who personally 
I didn't support initially. I voted for him, but I didn't support him initially because he wasn't sufficiently progressive for me and for my wing of the party. However, I must say that he has proven to be much more progressive than any one of us otherwise would have thought him to be. And as such, I find him an acceptable president for 2024. And if there were the ability to bring a more progressive president in for the next four years, I would support it. However, I have a very hard time right now seeing the pathway that we could actually have to bring in a more progressive candidate that can actually both win a Democratic primary, not and even if they don't win the Democratic primary, not damage the prospects of a Democratic win, and likewise not ensure that there is a Republican win. And, and, and the thing about it is that Republican could be Trump. But the truth of the matter is, while we are all banking on Trump to win, there's a possibility that something happens that kicks him out of the game. And I believe any younger candidate with a narrative, a false narrative, albeit, could actually, based on the numbers right now, be problematic for the Democrats. So number one, making the assumption that it's definitely going to be Trump to, to win is an issue. And secondly, thinking that those four states that Biden is down in right now can turn around, it's a possibility. But we have to have eyes wide open and we have to see what the alternatives are. It's not the person. The fight should never be the individual. It should always be the collective, the American collective. I want you to listen to Dean Phillips. Uh, he doesn't sound at all malicious. He doesn't sound like he wants to stir the pot. He's just saying, I have the courage to come out here and say, let's start asking questions. Let's listen to this, and then we'll take it on the other side. Minnesota Congressman Dean Phillips is calling for a more competitive Democratic primary, saying voters don't want a coordination, they want a competition. Phillips, who is in his third term representing suburban Minneapolis, let me tell you a few, a little bit about him. He lost his father in Vietnam. After business school at the University of Minnesota, Mr. Phillips joined the family business, Phillips Distilling. He went on to help build Talenti Gelato into a top-selling gelato brand and also opened Penny's Coffee, a small business in the Twin Cities. And he is, like I said, in his third term. Phillips has denounced, by the way, the no-labels attempt to field a third-party ticket, but he has called for serious Democratic primary challengers to President Biden. And last week, he met with Democratic donors in New York about the race and potentially entering it himself if no one else does. Congressman Phillips, welcome to Meet the Press. Good to be with you, Chief. If I sum this up right, you are not interested in being a candidate for president technically yourself right now, or are you? That's a fair statement. Okay. What, what I'm technically and legitimately doing is representing. I'm a representative, and I'm representing what I believe to be the majority of the country that wants to turn the page. Tired of the meanness and the fear-mongering of Donald Trump, I would like to see Joe Biden, and a, a wonderful and remarkable man, yeah. pass the torch, uh, cement this extraordinary legacy. You don't want him to run for re-election. 
I, be, I believe what's in the best interest of the country. And by the way, this is not how everybody thinks, but I do believe a majority wants to move on. I hear from way too many people. Now, this is the news was that I was meeting with donors. The fact is, I listen to normal Americans every day and my own feelings. And is the this fact all about is, age? this is no, no, this is about how people feel. By the way, it's not about what's real all the time. It's about how people feel. People want to turn the page. As a Democrat, I adore Joe Biden. He saved this country. He can cement his legacy. The call to action is to ask the president to pass the torch. There is an extraordinary bench, extraordinary bench of people ready to go, proximate, who would you like to see in position. I would like to see a moderate governor, hopefully from the heartland, from one of the four states that Democrats will need. But I'm speaking truth. That's my job. My duty mm-hmm. is to the people I represent, but also to represent the mass majority. And, and, and I just I want to say this about Democrats. It's really important. Joe Biden right now is down seven points in the four swing states that will decide the next election. He has historically low approval numbers, Chuck. Eight, there are about 55% of Democrats would like to see an alternative. I can keep going down the no, list. The I, fact I, of the matter is everything you're saying we've all heard in right. private as well. Why do you think it's all private? Why do you think this, this hand-wringing hasn't is only really gone public for you. It's very simple. People are focused on self-preservation and not principle. There is no political reward in the United States right now for simply speaking the truth. Look at what happened to my Republican colleagues who dared do the right thing and support the Constitution. Support the Constitution. But you, you believe the Hunter Biden news actually reinforces this even more, don't you? I don't think the president is corrupt. I think the investigation will show that. But, and this is the important part, it's the image. It's it's what the news will do. We know what era we live in in partisanship. It is the attachment to the president. Most people aren't watching Meet the Press every Wouldn't weekend. Wouldn't this happen to any Democratic nominee? It probably will, and it saddens me. And, okay. I'm, that's, and these are the people I'm trying to represent right now, Chuck, the people who are sick and tired of this nonsense. We have a duopoly. We have a political industrial complex that if they agree on anything, it's the status quo. And by the way, now I have trouble with Donald Trump. I do not have trouble with Trumpers who are trying to find somebody mm-hmm. to change the system. The hardware is fine. The software is a problem. The people with whom we're populating the system, and I understand the need for transparency. We need to restore faith in government. We should do that in a thoughtful, meaningful, legitimate, and bipartisan manner, and it can be done. We need leaders in the next generation to do so, and I'm just simply expressing that point of view that I think is shared by a majority of Americans. What can President Biden do to reassure you he is up to a second term? I'm not saying he's not up to a second term. What I'm saying is look at the data. I listen. My job is to listen. I do it every single day back in Minnesota. Right. Can you change the, the data? That's the challenge. I, I come from the marketing world. You just explained my background. Sometimes you got a product that is extraordinary, meets the moment, you think is going to be the next big thing, and it just doesn't happen. And in business, you got to recognize it because the data speaks the truth. The data is speaking the truth right now. And if nobody's willing to talk about it before it's too late, that's the yeah. key. The case not against late. what you're talking about is basically the history of our lifetimes, okay? You go back, the last four sitting presidents who had serious primary challengers, that party lost the White House. But go Chuck, LBJ, why did, why did they, we can go back to LBJ, yeah, but also Gerald Ford, Jimmy Carter, Ronald George H.W. Bush. But why were they primaried? Because people recognized they were weakened, the country was ready to turn the page. Now we can have a, we could have an hour debate on this subject. I understand that. I don't want to be. I ran for Congress in 2016. After the 2016 election, mm-hmm. I woke up that next morning. My teenage daughters were in tears. I promised them I would do something. I'm not going to be quiet now. Five years later, when the same trauma could be afflicting the country if Donald Trump is reelected. So I will do nothing to ensure that Donald Trump is reelected. But Chuck, it's really important that people know this. I'm doing just the opposite. And if people aren't willing right now to have that conversation, to 
have the discussion and most importantly, to present some alternatives. How in the world are we going to look at these numbers and say everything's okay? But hopes and dreams and prayers, I love them. They don't solve gun violence. They don't give health insurance to Americans, right? And they sure as heck won't change the numbers that I'm seeing right now. Uh, Have you talked to Joe Manchin? You want him to run in a Democratic primary instead of as an independent for no labels? I want anybody who wants to run, Joe Manchin, Cornell West, mm-hmm. any of the government. You want him in the primary. In the primary. That's why we have primaries, because that doesn't undermine the likelihood of returning, in this case, a Democrat to the White House. So that is the key. Enter the primary, my friends. Everybody who is on the bench, meet the moment. Don't wait five years. We need you now. Again, I don't think there is a malicious bone in Dean Phillips body. I think he is showing a legitimate concern that many have, that many are fearful to put out there into the ethos. But kudos to him for bringing it up and ensuring that we actually have a discussion. So discuss away, folks. Let's really look at things, not the way we had hoped they would be, but the way they are. Let's look at what he says, the data. Sometimes you can have the best product. That doesn't sell. As an engineer myself, I've gone through of that. I've made the best check-in software long time ago that never sold. And it was good. It was much better than many things out there. So let's look at things the way they are and not the way we hope they would be. Let's look at how they are, how they're likely to be in the future. Absolutely. So before I continue, I want to give a a, a quasi-apology to uh, Eric. California and New York are higher than Texas, but Texas is ranked 24 or 25 in energy. So here's this energy state. We produce more energy than anybody else or almost than anybody else, I think, except for maybe Alaska. And, And I think more than Alaska, too, I have to look that up. And we have a lot of natural resources and dams, et cetera. We have a lot of wind turbines. We have a lot of solar fields. And we have expensive, expensive energy. Okay? It's, it's not, that cannot be a national issue. It is an issue with your, the government that you elected. And again, I repeat. The $700 bill that you're paying, go directly to your governor, Abbott, and ask him, why can those states like like the Northwest have better pricing than we do when they don't produce what we have? That's your government, your state government that you elected that continue to live in the Stone Ages. So... My apologies for getting New York and California completely wrong as, as for the price of energy. I, I, I don't know why I mixed up and somehow thought that they were more expensive. So uh, you're, you were right about California. You were right about New York. Uh, but on the, in the aggregate, you're still, sir, wrong as far as why we spend so much money. We have what's a deregulated market that is horrendous because instead of having us go from the supplier of the energy to the to the user of the energy we go through several middle people so that there are people skimming on the top of every single penny 
you pay for um for for uh for electricity. In other words, when you go to Jexa and all these freedom and all these different hundreds of electrical companies you have in Texas, right? None of them really. I'm not when I say none of them, I'm saying a lot of them don't. They're just paper, they're just guys with offices that go ahead and buy energy from the producers in bulk and then resell the energy to uh, you, middle people. They do nothing. They produce nothing. They just skim money from the top. We don't need them. We just need, if, if you want a transfer entity, create a nonprofit that simply redistribute the, the places where the energy goes. That's all we need. Actually, if you get the energy in fall or spring, you get rates that are that seven cents per kilowatt, but now 10 cents. Of course, supply and demand, right? But that doesn't have to be the case either with electricity. We could have an equitable and a smart electric policy. We don't. Electricity shouldn't be something that goes up by supply and demand. We should have enough electricity to cover what we have. And But again, like I said, that's not how it works right here. But again, Eric, uh, you, you get what I'm saying. Uh, shopping for yourself, whatever you're shopping for yourself, Eric, you're paying a middleman for doing absolutely nothing, for just putting a premium onto whatever he sells or she sells you. Do you get it? Come on. Use your head, please, my friend. Use your head. Use your head. Okay. All right. And by the way, I do have a good policy. I have Constellation, and Constellation so far has given me better than Jexa, has given me better than uh, Centerpoint and many others, even though Jexa and, and Constellation is riding on top of Centerpoint. It's amazing. It's a ripoff. Anyhow, uh, folks, uh, let's see what Lee Grant says. Gasoline is regularly cheaper in Texas. True. That's very true. Uh, I don't recall what my rate is, Eric, but uh, but I know this month I'm going to be probably close to $800, $700, a little bit over for my electric bill. So it's going to be crazy. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Carl Cox says, I agree. However, I would want a true Democrat progressive such as AOC, Sanders, Warren, get into the Democratic nomination and win. And that's what I'm saying. My, I have to be pragmatic and practical. If, if I have a platform, which we do, I can't be irresponsible to say, oh, you know, let's, let's go ahead and primary uh, Biden. I, we have to look at the big picture. What is that going to do? Is, is a primary to Biden really ensures a Biden loss? And if there's a Biden loss, whatever comes on the Republican side, is it worse than a, a Biden in office? Is keeping in, a Biden in office permanently changes the ability for progressives to get their, 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 uh, their policies through? And my answer to that is, is categorically now, no. Right now, AOC is under attack from the very left of the party, claiming that she's forgotten uh, who she, you know, her, her progressive roots. It's not true. What happens is AOC understands that she can make a difference if she's relevant. And relevancy doesn't mean falling in line with Biden or falling in line with uh, neoliberals or falling in line with blue dogs. What it means is making the best deal that you have when you don't have the power of the people. Let's give an example. I was a big supporter of uh, uh, Bernie Sanders. I flew to Arizona. Well, I got uh, one of our KPFT brothers 
said, Egberto, I'm going to Arizona to campaign for, uh, for Bernie. You want to come with me? And I'm like, absolutely so. He said, okay, I'll take care of you. We'll, we'll uh, book together and all that good stuff. So we went to, we went to Nevada together to Las Vegas. And uh, both of us went into Latin areas, Latino areas, and, and did all the Spanish speaking to get all the Latino folks to go out there and vote for, for Bernie. Bernie won Las Vegas in a landslide. The after party in Las Vegas was one of the best as we were out there. I was on, actually, I was on TV out there in a, on a, I was on ABC and TV out there in Las Vegas that night. Talking about what we did, et cetera. We won big in Vegas. The Democratic Party went into a panic. We're going to have a Democratic Socialist representing our party. And you know what? He would have beat Donald Trump. But that's not the point. The point was as follows. The Democratic Party, all of them coalesced into Biden. And then Biden went to South Carolina. And black folks in South Carolina says, let's look at this stuff here. We can take a chance with Bernie, but we don't quite know Bernie. Or we can go with a known factor and just coalesce behind him and run with him. That's what they chose. We, the Bernie people, we did not make the case sufficiently strong for those other states, South Carolina, etc., to bite. So what is an AOC who remains in Congress as one of our progressive heroes, Ileana Presley, uh, Rashida Tlaib, Ilan Omar? They're all still there. They're no less progressives than they were. What they are are a lot more mature. And they understand that they have a lot of times to take what they can bring to their constituents, move them forward. Think about how they performed in the pandemic. As we hold time, as we progressives on the outside get the job done to convince all those black folks in South Carolina, uh, the, the policies that Bernie Sanders stand for, it is okay to, to vote for people who represent that mantra so that we can convince our brothers and sisters in, in Arizona, we can convince our brothers and sisters in Chicago and all these places. It is okay. To vote for Bernie Sanders or someone like Bernie Sanders because those policies, yeah, you like the policies, but you think he can't win. Well, we have to build that faith and it's not empty faith, but we got to build to show that this person can and will win. But that's our job to do. We can't hold Ayanna Presley. We can't hold Rashida Talib. We can't hold Ilan Omar. We can't hold uh, 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 um, Bo, uh, all these other progressives out there. We can't tie their hands because they didn't vote the way we wanted them to vote because we wanted them to stick it to Biden. No, that's not how it works. The truth of the matter is they made good deals with Biden. Not the best deals that we would have wanted, but they made good deals with Biden. Again, what they are is that they have matured like all of us in this business, need to mature to get what's best for our constituents. So um, that's my little spiel for, um, for, you know, as far as those who just want to absolutely 
get into the Democratic Party and just run somebody willy-nilly. What you find, it's generally a lot of privileged people. Because look, if Biden loses, right, the 20 or so years that it's going to take us for to take back a fascist government, more than likely, those same people who are urging on, uh, let's go deep right now, they'll survive that fascist that fascist government, right? But a lot of the folks who would get hurt the most, they won't. The job of politics done right is to ensure the least of us, the, to, to promote the messages that the least of us, we must be concerned about the least of us. Those people who are not even listening to politics done right because they have to be working. Those people who are not hearing us because they have so much more to do. But they need somebody to look out for them too. Who I promise to be. That's who I promise to be. They're working so damn hard. They don't even know what's going on half the times. And that's why it is our job. It is our job. Progressives, uh, we have to stop complaining about supporting Biden or complaining about the neoliberals. I complain about the neoliberals, yes. But we have to be a part of the solutions. We have to make the deal when we have to. But then we also have to work the work, the field. We can't take our marbles and go home. We can't. We can't take our marbles and go home. I got one more video to show. Uh, this one is about, uh, well, let me, let me just go ahead and play it and then we'll take it on the other side. After losing in Ohio, it seems like some of the Republicans, and I mean Republicans who matter, are getting it. And Sean Hannity came out on his station and said, uh, I probably need to quote Bill Clinton. Oh, I can't believe I quoted Bill Clinton. But in effect, he's, he's, he's throwing, up, throwing in the white, the white flag. In effect, he realizes that the abortion issue is officially a loser for the Republican Party. Now, here's a kicker. We have several dynamics occurring, right? The big dynamic is that Democrats can use the women controlling their own bodies as a catalyst to bring people in, right? Uh, they're not enamored with Joe Biden at this point in time. We know we have uh, Dean Phillips trying to get a primary to get somebody that has better appeal, have better numbers. And because the Republicans currently have that issue, that abortion issue that really cuts against them and really have even those who don't want Biden, those who think Biden shouldn't be there, even those people are likely to vote for Biden in 2024, uh, probably hold their nose and vote for him because of this abortion issue. We have all these caveats that are coming along. In the case that Trump's win, Equate, uh, trying to create the false equivalence between the, 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 the uh, intransigence of Biden's son uh, and make it comparable to what's going on with Trump, that's one issue. We also have the abortion issue. We also have the age issue. Several of these things to masticate together. 
What's the best option? Listen to Sean Hannity. He sees the light. Republicans are really tired of losing. Will they snap and say, we will put on the facade necessary to win? Will they do that? First of all, let's listen to this segment on uh, a woman's choice, uh, the abortion issue, and then I'll wrap it up on the other side. It's been seven states post-Dobbs that we've seen uh, and anything related to abortion rights end up falling uh, in favor of the abortion rights side. Uh, Brendan Buck, a lot of Republicans and conservatives are starting to rethink their stand on this issue. Here's Sean Hannity. Uh, earlier this week. I believe in the sanctity of life, but I think politically that there is, Republicans have got to say, as Bill Clinton once said, I never thought I'd quote him, uh, rare legal, and I'd add the word very early in a pregnancy. Uh, that seems to be politically where the country is. Maybe I'm wrong, uh, but we'll see. That, that vote in Ohio was pretty, pretty sobering. Uh, how many elected Republicans share Sean Hannity's concern? Uh, probably more than a few, but I, I'm not holding my breath that the party's going to change position anytime. There is a large infrastructure in place getting people elected in Republican primaries where you basically have to assume a certain position that is much further to the right than I think uh, a lot of people are. Um, it's, it's clearly a loser for us, but I think we're a long ways out from being able to recognize that and make any, any meaningful change. That's interesting. I mean, it, it, this as everybody hand rings about Biden and Trump, no pun intended. This is the Trump card for Democrats. Yeah, I mean, I think every if you look at 2022, everywhere that abortion was on the ballot, voters went and voted in support of codifying those rights into their state's constitution. This Ohio vote, I think, is in fact a precursor to what we will see this November, where I expect mm-hmm. Ohio to gonna, identical vote. Yeah, probably, they're yeah. going to go out and they're going to say, look, we want these rights um, enshrined in our constitution because people see what is happening. And I think that because the vice president has been mm-hmm. very, Vice President Harris has been very vocal on this issue, rallying folks across the country, reminding people that this is about freedom and about being able to make decisions between the healthcare professionals and you and your family and not politicians. That's something that resonates with folks. You know, Eugene, Carl Rove in 03 saw same-sex marriage propositions, uh, again, you know, anti-same-sex marriage proposition uh, in swing states as a way to drive up turnout. Democrats are looking at uh, protecting abortion rights, places like Arizona, maybe Florida. No, absolutely. They they know that the voters were scared after Dobbs. And the one thing that they have done a good job of is actually channeling that fear and anger. And this is one of the ways to do that, right? You look at Ohio as, is this a way that we can make sure that voters come out to vote in November's, whether that's mm-hmm. this November or next November? Michigan, one of those. Florida is another one. Again, this all, these are not individual issues. When it comes to the 2024 election, there are several issues that we must contend with to decide whether the possibility exists that a Biden can win. It has to do with uh, Hunter Biden, which on the lower scale, it has to do, but you know, they know how to play that up very well. The Republicans know how to turn lemon, lemonade from, from lemon, turn it into lemonade. So we have the Hunter issue. We have the age issue. Even as there are similar ages between Donald Trump and Biden, we've allowed that to, to, to catalyze in such a manner that it's somehow Biden could be at a disadvantage there. We have the abortion issue that should play well for Democrats. But if Republicans see the light and make a U-turn on that issue sufficiently, I mean, maybe not a U-turn, but a warp, they may also take that off the table. 
And there are issue after issue after issue that when put all together makes 24 a very difficult year. Suppose Trump doesn't end up being the one who runs. Suppose the Republicans make a turn on the abortion issue. Suppose they play up the Hunter Biden issue and it sticks. Suppose as well, the age matter cauterized. Uh, Biden is 80 years old. Uh, an 80 year old body at any time, unforeseen things can happen. Same with a 78 year old body that Trump will have 77, 78 year old body. But again, too many ifs. What are the answers? We, and I really mean that this idea is I don't think we should be fighting about this issue when it comes to what's best for the party, the Democratic Party and the, the progressive side in in, uh, in 2024. What I do think is we better look at it objectively. We should. Uh, this isn't about Biden. This isn't about uh, Kamala Harris. This isn't about any of that. This is solely about winning a progressive win or a democratic win in 2024. Nothing more, nothing less. Uh, Robert says party politics is hardball. The data showing Biden behind in swing states is from the same people who said Trump would lose to Clinton garbage in garbage out. Wake up, stop relying on polls year early. I agree with that. I agree that we shouldn't rely on early polls. We should not take directions, however, from the, the aggregate sentiment. And I think aggregate sentiment matters. Uh, how did the aggregate sentiment look for now for uh, Biden relative to Obama, relative to Trump, well, relative to Clinton? All these are numbers that we should look at. I'm not saying make big, huge decisions on. I'm saying we should look at these numbers objectively from object. And by the way, it is incumbent on you know, when we talk about other people taking polls, it is incumbent, and I'm pretty sure they probably do it, for the Democratic Party to be doing its own internal pollings to validate all these things that are occurring. Uh, the only reason why age has mattered and and has mattered in 24 is that this running mate is Black America is not ready for another Black president. So, I mean, it, it's funny that you said that, Paul, because I mentioned several months ago, and I, more than a year ago, that the biggest problem for a Biden re-election was going to be Kamala Harris. And deep inside of those numbers, I bet if you take a look at why people are souring on Biden, it's not solely souring uh, on, on Biden's. It means they, the, the idea that, hey, but what happened if Biden dies? What happened if Biden is incapacitated? The new president then is Kamala Harris. And that's why right now they're trying to build Kamala Harris's profile, which should have been done a long time ago, to tell you the truth. But they're trying to build up her profile right now to make her, uh, to, 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 well, you, you follow what I'm saying. Uh, anyhow, interesting enough, uh, Lee Grant had a statement somewhere up that scrolled up that said, what are progressives going to do for, uh, for the inner city? Progressives are going to do for the inner city exactly what progressives are going to do for rural areas. And that's what I tell progressives. The inner cities, the rural areas, Appalachia have the same problems. And I'm talking about the economic problem. Now. I'm not talking about the racial problems here. I'm talking about economic problems. Solve that. 
and you're way ahead of the game. Anyway, we need to come down to a closer. I want to thank everybody for watching. Tomorrow morning, we are doing Politics Done Right at 6 o'clock at the uh, Black Hole in, uh, in the Montrose area in Houston. We're going to be live out of the coffee shop Black Hole. So anybody who's listening in the, in the vicinity, come join us at Black Hole in the morning. I'll be there till probably 9 o'clock uh, because I'm going to also do the show with You Talk at 6. Uh, at his show starts at 8. My show starts at 6. It should be a lot of fun at the coffee house. We're going to be coming to you live at 6 in the morning. And of course, we'll do our 3 o'clock show as usual. Look, thank you so kindly, everybody that's been here. I want to remind you to please go ahead and sign up for my newsletter. Uh, help us uh, help, help us get to a, several hundred. Right now, we only have we have just under we have under a hundred people that are, are paid subscribers to the newsletter. I would love to get quite a bit more uh, paid subscribers to the newsletter. So I'm asking you kindly, all of you that are listening to the, to the program. Consider giving Politics Done Right a coffee a month. That's what the newsletter is all about. A coffee a month. PoliticsDoneRight.com slash newsletter. Please go to that, that link, sign up, register, and just, you know, a coffee a month to make sure we can continue doing what we're doing. My name is Egberto Willis. This is Politics Done Right, and you guys know how I end this baby. I am what? Oh! We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.